Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. On this morning's show, I want to tackle and confront the delicate issue of how coaches deal with parental expectations. In this day and age of highly competitive amateur and youth sports, this is clearly one of the crucial issues that all coaches have to learn to deal with. After all, when a youngster tries out and makes your team, whether it's in Little League or youth soccer or CYO basketball, whatever, and then right through the middle school years and into high school, because of all the time, the expense, and the pure emotion that moms and dads pour into their child, coaches today have to be fully prepared to know what to say and how to say it when those parents come to you looking for some bits of positive feedback regarding their youngster. Now, to me, this highly delicate interaction is absolutely critical to how coaches and parents get along. And, of course, how the kids respond to to what they hear from mom and dad about what you said about them. Now, this is truly a coaching pathway that is loaded with landmines. Yeah. One wrong statement or a slip of the tongue or a comment made in sarcasm can come back to explode in your face. And even worse, parents take every comment from their kid's coach to heart and they never forget. It's as simple as that. And from the other side of the ledger, well, parents, you know, you really have to educate and learn and try to be objective about your kid's abilities, talents, and efforts. If you don't hear what you want to hear from your kid's coach, well, you just can't immediately just dismiss the coach and simply say, well, he's clearly an idiot. My kid is 10 times better than the youngster who's starting ahead of him. You just can't do that. It's it's a two-way street for coaches and parents, but at no time in, in recent history has it been more complicated than it is today. So let's, let's begin. Let's talk about this dance of coping with parental expectations where every mom and dad wants the very best for the youngster and every coach wants the same but has to sort of temper this with the objective realities of what every youngster does in terms of their athletic skills. one 337 that is our number, of course. Now, I, I know that especially, especially at the high school varsity level, you know, some coaches over the years have tried to avoid these these issues by simply telling moms and dads at the beginning of the season that they do not want to interact at all with parents. That is, if their son or daughter has an issue with the coach, then only the kid is allowed to approach the coach. But 
come on, let's be honest. That kind of edict is fairly unrealistic these days. Smart coaches know that parents are eager to hear good things about their son or daughter. And coaches, the parents do want to interact and talk with you. The trick is for the coach that you have to be very, very careful and selective in the words you use. Why? Because the parent is going to laser focus on every word you say, and it will be burned into their memory bank forever. So if you say something like to a parent, hey, your daughter is making tremendous progress. You know, I could see her being named to the all-county team this year. Well, coach, in your rush and enthusiasm to praise the girl, you have now inadvertently promised her parents that she's going to be a lock to be named all-county. That is a big mistake. As in, what happens if she doesn't make all-county? The parents will come right back to you and say, Coach, you promised my daughter would make the all-county team. Or if you say something like, you know, your son is a natural-born leader with his peers. He's on track uh, to be named a captain at some point. Well, Coach, he just promised the boy's parents that he's going to be a captain. Imagine their disappointment and the kid if that doesn't take place. So first and foremost, coaches, you have to always think ahead. And that theme has been, uh, you know, something that's been redundant on the show for many, many years. But coaches, you got to think ahead about the impact of the words you use and what kind of real impact they're going to have on the parents and their youngster. You have to be cautious about being being too glowing in your praise, but at the same time, you have to be even more careful about any negative remarks. I mean, this is, it's a, again, it's a very delicate dance. Let's, uh, let's start our conversation this morning. Let's go to our friend Ed Ward over in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Ed, good morning. You're on the fan. Good, good morning, Rick. How you doing? I'm good, Ed. And as you said, you've got to be very delicate with what you say. I mean, m- making a comment like being an all-county player or possibly being a captain and if that doesn't happen, that blows everything up. Correct. I remember I had a friend of mine who was a high school baseball coach, and he got out of the business. You know why? Because when the father opened up the, uh, a newspaper at 6 o'clock in the morning and didn't see why his son wasn't all county, and my friend didn't make that statement, he, he called the guy at 6 o'clock in the morning, woke him up to tell him why wasn't my son all county and all that stuff. I'm telling you. So that's it, exactly what crazy. happens. You know, one of the methods that I use is this. And then when I, when, I, when I was a head coach and all that, even when I was with coaching travel, I said, look, I have no problem with the parent being there, but let your son ask why he's not playing. You could be there to listen to what I say because that's your son. And the reason why I say that, Rick, is now the kid starts to develop uh, becoming an adult, learning how to ask the questions and all that stuff. They uh-huh. may not agree with what I say. But again, this is the reason why I'm going in this direction and all that stuff. And then when I, when a parent wants to interject, I said, let your son ask the question. And so this way he develops confidence in handling adverse situations and yep. all that. And I have no problems for the parents listening to all that. But, uh, you know, again, if in today's society, if, if someone doesn't get their way, and if they don't follow the coach's guideline, how he wants to act, you know they're going above. Whether, even well, if it's the AD has a policy, they're going to go to the principal, superintendent, and they're going to make, a, make it a, a big agenda and all that. And all that, Ed, and, and thank you as always for the call. Good, good Have comments. a great day, Rick. Thanks, Ed. And, and to Ed's point, you know, it, once the parents have heard the coach say, your kid is on track to be all county or all league or all state, whatever it might be, whatever sort of promise was made inadvertently, 
just in a way to sort of praise the kid, well, unfortunately, it gets just, as I say, burned into the parent's uh, memory, and, and it's just, you know, that they're going to take that to the bank and say, well, to the AD, well, the coach promised my kid would be this or that or whatever. Can't do that. It's as simple as that. Uh, all right, we're going to take a quick update here. Uh, Crystal Presti is here this morning. When I come back from the Sports Flash, we'll go right back to our calls about dealing with parental expectations. Stay with me. And welcome back to the Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. We're talking this morning about coping and dealing with parental expectations, and we're taking your calls at one 337 Now, you know, before the break, I was talking about how coaches have to balance saying nice and positive things to the parents uh, without making any promises. So, coaches, let me give you a, a little advice here. Uh, you should develop a little, like, almost a short list of things you know you can say to eager parents uh, that make them feel good about their youngster, uh, but you don't make any promises to them. You can say things like, um, uh, to the Mr. and Mrs. Jones, I, I love your son's uh, total dedication to the program. I wish all my players were like him. Or your daughter has shown tremendous improvement since last year. Uh, she's made a terrific play at the end of the game, and it showed great, great hustle. He's working hard every day at practice, and I see it loud and clear. Uh, you know, you can have these expressions that don't really say anything, don't put you on the spot, don't, you're not making promises, but for the mom or dad, it's going to bring a smile to their face, which are then they're going to take these comments back to their kid, and it's going to be a win-win. So you gotta, you got to be careful but in coaches, you can be smart about this. Prepare these comments in advance uh, and just sort of leave them in your back pocket so you can pull them out at any time whenever your mom and dad comes to talk to you about their about their youngster. Let's move on. Let's go to uh, Jason in Jackson, New Jersey. Jason, you're next up on the fan. Hey, how you doing? Good, Jason. So uh, I agree with what you just said. You know, definitely have a few prepared statements uh, or comments that you'd want to go to or your go-to statements. You know, coaching is an art. You know, as someone who's been coaching for 20-plus years, multiple sports, yep. I'm on my way to go play softball this, this morning. Um, I, I love sports. Sports has helped mold me into the person that I am, and uh, I wanted to give back uh, some of those things that I learned throughout my coaching career. But parents are going to do those things. Parents are going to embarrass their kids. You know, my parents are, were fantastic parents. Went to pretty much all my games. Even when I'm coaching at the college level, they come check out my games. Mm -hmm. But they said certain things that embarrassed me as a, as a player. And we joke about it now, but looking back on that, um, it definitely had a negative impact on me. So parents definitely have to take a step back and realize their kids. There's way more lessons to be learned than just, you know, my kid's an all-star. My kid's going to do this or that. The benefit of coaching at the college level, I can't speak to the parents. Parents are not allowed to speak to the coaches. So, Parents should also prepare their student athletes for that as well to help them understand, hey, this is your job right now. This is your responsibility. You need to step up, and if you have a problem, you talk to the coach. You ask your coach about playing time. It's always a, a huge positive thing when, when a kid comes to me and asks about playing time instead of the parent. Well, Jason, so, uh, I mean, I, you raise a very important point about this, and it is something where – uh, and Jason, thank you for for the call this morning. You know, if at some point as a parent, you have to have that conversation with your son or daughter, probably when they're just getting into high school, and it's a conversation that you can be repeated several times throughout their high school career. And that is, you know, part of the maturation process is we want you to basically be able to communicate with your coaches on your own. 
yes, we're there. We come to your games. We'll cheer for you. Uh, you know, if we want to, you know, go over and coach the coach and shake his or her hand, whatever, that's fine. But we want the individual athlete to learn how to communicate on their own with their coach. And as Jason said, by the time they're in college, you know, college coaches, again, they're all, they'll be nice, glad hand the parents, whatever. But they, at that point, now we're talking about uh, kids, athletes being able to definitely learn how to talk to the coaches on a one-to-one basis and take not only the good praise, but also learn to absorb and to, to learn from constructive criticism. You know, let's be honest, parents, parents love their children and, and uh, they think the, 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 the kids, their kids are supremely talented and <laughs> they are the best in the land. And they're not going to be objective about their kids' abilities. Well, coaches might see it a little differently, but that's what we're trying to protect. We're trying to protect the feelings of the parents and of the coach as well, and also of the youngster. It's a complicated, very delicate dance. Let's go over to uh, to Long Beach, and Matthew is standing by. Good morning, Matthew. You're on the fan. Good morning. How are you doing today, sir? Good, Matthew. How are you? I'm doing good. I totally agree with, you know, parents think that the kids are the best, and, you know, they're not going to take uh, the coach's uh, word sometimes, uh, literally. But my son plays competitive soccer right now. And uh, perfect example, you have two parents that right after the soccer game go up to the trainer and the coach and doesn't even wait till the next practice. Oh, why is my kid not starting? Why is he sitting on the bench so long? Instead of going up to the coach and parent and saying, what can my, do, my son do more at practice to play more? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I, think it's, I think it's just ridiculous because um, I attend every practice. You know, I'm not saying my son's the best on the field, but I'm not one to complain. So when your son's not performing in practice and doing what he has to do on the field, the trainers and coaches know that. And it, it's really negative when the actual club gives in to this nonsense about how it has to be 50-50 playing time. And, you know, I feel from coaching Pee Wee football, uh, all for about 10 plus years that the best player is going to play, you know, and some parents need to realize that your son's not on the field for a reason. And uh, I just want to get your thoughts on that. Well, first of all, uh, Matthew, what, what, what age bracket are we talking about here? With, with the oh, we're, talking, we're talking about nine and 10 year old kids. Okay. That, and we all have right. a good thing, good thing going with the kids. And all then right. parents ruin it for, for their other children because, now the kids sitting there, well, me, mom me, and dad are arguing. Uh, this is a travel program where, you, where the kids are. This is a travel travel competitive soccer right. program. Couple, of, I have sort of conflicting uh, opinions on this. First of all, uh, certainly agree with you that that parents, even though parents are paying the coach's salary on a travel team, and that's a little different because obviously you know the parent somehow feels entitled that well I'm I'm paying a good amount of money for my youngster to be in this travel team then I should have every right to talk to the coach right away after the game and, and to the trainer and see what, why my kid's not playing enough. Well, that gets complicated because, after all, you know, you're basically paying to play, and, and that makes it a little, little complicated. On the other hand, at ages 9 and 10 with a travel program, yeah, there's always been this mentality, Matthew, about the fact that, um, you know, well, the best players play. I have never agreed with that. And I'll be very candid about this with you. I've always felt that if my son or daughter is good enough, particularly at age 9 or 10, to make a travel team, then, yeah, and I'm paying for this, then, yeah, my kid is entitled to play at least half the game because why otherwise would, would the coach even put him on the team? Uh, and the only way he or she is going to get any better 
uh, and Matthew, thank you for the call. The only reason my kid's going to get any better here is because, in fact, they're they're playing on that team, and I need to play a lot. So I do agree 50-50. Or, you know, everybody gets, plays at least half the game, quality time. That is important. Um, but, again, coming back to my other point, you know, if, if you want to hear good things about your son or daughter, well, you know, let them get a private coach. And Because I guarantee you, if your kid's playing for a private coach, that private coach is no fool. They're going to say very, very nice things about your youngster and the progress they're making and so on and so forth. Why? Because they want to keep your business. And they know the only way to do that is to say nice things about your son's abilities. Uh, same thing with a travel program. The good travel coaches know that if they, the parents come or are concerned, uh, they, they're going to say nice things about the kid's athletic ability and so on and so forth. That's, that's part of the business. It's a little different when it's a high school program because a high school coach is not being paid directly by the parent. Uh, he or she is getting paid by the school district, and they don't necessarily have to say, you know, uh, all these wonderful, flowery, diplomatic things about the kid. It's so it's a, it, that's, again, this is part of the complicated process of youth sports these days. Let's move on. Let's go to uh, uh, Jason in Waterbury, Connecticut. Jason, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning. How are you doing? Good, Jason. Uh, I, I had 15 years experience coaching high school soccer and baseball. Yep. Uh, and then I also coached my kids through the youth leagues from your U8 soccer and baseball up through the U13. Okay. And, the, and dealing with, with the parents, the toughest thing is, why doesn't my kid get an opportunity to do that? The toughest positions to fill are your keeper in soccer and your catcher in baseball. Two positions that I personally played, so I built my sons to play them. And the argument I use with a lot of the kids is my goal is to have your child enjoy the sport. If yeah. I put a kid that has no ability to play goal, they give up six goals at eight, nine, ten years old, they cry all the way home. Next Saturday they don't show up to the game because they felt they're the reason why they lost the team, lost the game. Yeah. And that, that mindset, the mental side of it, is a big thing coaching that. And you mentioned the best players. Like, even with the youth, I will not allow that best player gets the ball. There's a lot of coaches that – the volunteers that might not know the sport that just give the best player the ball and let him run up and down the field and do whatever he wants. He doesn't get as better as a player. And then everyone around it who never gets to touch the ball uh, well, doesn't yeah, get any that's, better. That's exactly what we're talking about. And that, you know, that's a, you know, and Jason, uh, thank you for the call. I mean, I, I, I got I, one, one more quick, quick one more quick question. Go ahead. I'm up to break. Go ahead. Okay. As, as a parent and an athlete, how do you balance or a parent and a coach, how do you balance dealing with your child when they're having issues? Do you go with them as the coach and, and give them that kick in the rear they might, or do you go as the parent and comfort them when they make the mistake? Which, How do you balance that side of, the, of <laughs> coaching when it's your own child, as the parent or as the coach? Well, okay, I, I'll answer that very quickly. Thanks, Jason. I, I believe, and I have believed for a long time, that the best way to handle your youngster is to wait a day or wait till late, wait after the game is over and give them a praise sandwich where you basically give them that, that first little layer of, of praise about how much progress they've made or how good they are. Then give them that little slice of constructive criticism. You know, if you didn't, perhaps you'd be even more of an offensive threat if you pass the ball more or whatever it might be. And then you give them another slice of praise. Again, you don't do it after the game. You wait a good number of hours, maybe that evening, maybe the next day. As simple as that. Because a praise sandwich really does work. And uh, I do think that's the best way to handle your own son or daughter. All right, let me take a timeout. When I return, I will go right back to the calls. And welcome back to the Sports Edge, everyone. Uh, 
before I go any further, I just want to tell you I have some big news. <laughs> and that is, well, look, we know that, of course, we have so many topics uh, to cover on the show, and our time is unfortunately always limited every Sunday. So I want to tell you that Ask Coach Wolf is now on YouTube. That's right. You simply go to YouTube on your computer, you type in Ask Coach Wolf, and you will see 20 short videos of yours truly giving out sports parenting advice on a variety of topics, uh, many of the same topics we cover on the show every Sunday morning. Again, I hope you like them. They're all for free. Subscribe for free. If you would, do me a favor and spread the word to your parents, coaches, educators, whoever, and let me know what you think. Again, it's all on YouTube. You just go to type in Ask Coach Wolf Sports Parenting on YouTube, and uh, let me know what you think. Simple as that. Okay, right now we're talking about coping with parental expectations, two-way street, both the coaches and the parents. And again, the, the, I don't want to say they're the victims in all this, but obviously they're the, they're, they're, the kids are obviously caught in the middle as well because obviously they want to do well for both their moms and dads and for their coaches. And it's complicated. one 337 Let's go to our friend Jack Smithlin. Over in Fairlawn, Coach, what do you think about uh, coping with parental expectations in this day and age? It's amazing, Rick. Um, you know, I like I like you know, and a lot of your listeners, being that I'm on, and I and I love this show. I kind of look forward to it every week. Um, so does my dog. But um, <laughs> the the expectations of a coach and a parent. I'm going to tell you that I believe in my heart that it all starts once again with the parent. Of yep. course, the parents, they put so many high expectations on their kids that their kids now, you know, become perfectionists. They, they, they lose their sight of what they're out there really trying to do. You know, the part about having fun, you know, and, you know, when it comes to coaching, you know, one of my, one of my suggestions to all coaches that don't ever say anything that you cannot back up. I mean, that's that's a very important thing. But, you know, expectations, I, I think, in my opinion, start with the parents. And, you know, the parents think their kids, you know, like like I text and, and, and emailed or whatever the other day, you know, parents think their kids are the next best thing. You know, they're, they're, they're the next coming of, like, Mickey Mantle and, and Ginny Finch. And that starts the ball rolling, you know, and when they expect things from their from their kids, they also expect it from the coaches. And when the coaches say things that they can't back up, mm -hmm. like you said before, it starts the ball rolling in a very, very bad way, in a very bad direction. And they'll the parents will hold you to it. And the parents will actually, you know, expand on it and, and make it actually more than what you said. You know, when you talked about coaches, you know, that, that you're paying and one of your callers, you know, talked about, you know, individual coaches and you brought that up also, you know, I've been, I, like I said, I coached at the high school level and I'm now coaching at the college level for over 40 years. And a lot of my hitters, I've had to be honest with their parents. And a lot of the times the parents do not want to hear honesty. They want to hear what they want to hear. Of course. And it, become, it becomes a big, big problem. After Alonzo, and this is what it brought it right, it, your show came right to my mind yesterday when Alonzo hit his 53rd home run, uh, breaking a, a Yankee record, yep. um, which is a great thing in my, in my world. 
But I listened to the interview of the parents afterwards, and they said that they expected a lot from their son only because of the work ethic that he put in, the time that he put in. They never pushed him. All they ever did was support him. They said on their interview that he was a natural athlete. Like, you know, I, I believe you feel the same way. I, I don't see him as a natural athlete. I see him as a moose that can just <laughs> hit a ball a long, far way. You know, he, he, he's, he's working at first base, and, you know, his natural athletic ability will come out when he, when he does this. But what they said was very important to me because your, you know, your shows bring all this stuff out. And, you know... Once again, what you said before about your YouTube, that is great news. I can't wait to, to get on and, and watch those videos. I've, been, you know, I've watched all the videos that I could on your, on your talking. Yep. But your two, books, your two books also talk about all that stuff. So, well, Jack, you know, you're, look, what I'm saying, yeah. and I, I agree with you, obviously, that you know, this is a delicate dance. And as you just mentioned very before, you've got to be very careful. And the phrase you used is coaches, you know, be careful. Don't say anything that you can't fully back up. And I think that's that's what coaches really need to understand and comprehend. And I know, uh, Jack, we've talked about this many times. Coaches, you got to think ahead about the words, the, the impact they're going to oh. have on your players and, and the parents. And, and that's – it's so simple, and maybe it's just be common sense, but I'm telling you, friends, it is essential – that if you don't do your homework ahead of time and know what you're going to say, it could really backfire on you. Rick, I want to say one more thing before I get off. Yeah, your one of your callers before talked about how he's coaching at the college level and parents aren't allowed to talk to coaches. Well, yeah, well I, I don't know. I don't know whether that's true or not. But and, and maybe at his school they they made a rule. But I remember when my son Zach was playing at Penn State. I, I subscribed to Baseball America. And, and Collegiate Baseball, which was a great magazine. Right. I remember reading an article uh, in 2000 on how 25 Division One coaches in baseball left the game because of parental pressures. So if you think it's only at the youth level, people, oh, no, no, and no. coaches. It's, it's, it's uh, Jack, you know, yeah, I agree 100%. And as always, uh, my thanks uh, for the call, Jack. I appreciate you're, it. Thank You're you. more than welcome. Very happy about the YouTube. <laughs> Thank Very you. Happy. Thank you. But yeah, you know, and maybe individual schools, colleges may have policies where they frown upon parents talking to the coaches. But I can assure you, even when I was coaching back in the day at the collegiate level, parents obviously wanted to come over uh, and talk to the coach and so on and so forth. And yeah, I was prepared. Uh, I remember reading when Pete Carroll, the, the, the current uh, Seattle Seahawks coach, when he was the head coach uh, at USC. Uh, he was quoted as saying that he was uh, one of the reasons why he was leaving for the NFL and getting out of the college game is he couldn't cope anymore with parents uh, calling him and getting into his face about their own kids' playing time at USC. So clearly, uh, it doesn't just stop at the youth or the high school level. It goes right into the collegiate ranks, and all the coaches uh, know that. And they, again, the good coaches know how to prepare and know what to say the right things uh, to the parents. Let's go to uh, let's go to Chico over in Highland Mills. Good morning, Chico. You're on the fan. Hi, Mr. Wolf. Uh, so many people have taken away my thunder as I'm listening here from, you know, again, all these parents think their child is the next coming of Mickey Mantle, you know, and the, and the coach just said he, he used one word that I hadn't heard yep. all show, fun. 
Yeah. <laughs> See, when we were growing, when we were growing up, we played together. We played outside. We all had fun. We would. I would never dream that my parents would come down to the field and watch us play. Huh? Jacob, yeah. here's here's the deal. As soon as the kids are now inducted into organized sports, and that happens when they're five or six and they're playing ASO soccer or they're skating, whatever they are, you know, as soon as they get involved in a formalized structure and parents now come to watch the games and there are coaches assigned, whatever, certainly the first thing that happens is that, well, you had a really good game today uh, and the coach really likes what you did, and all of a sudden there are expectations put upon the youngster. And, you know, you know I, you it, 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 it's, Chico, when it's you have, funny you say that. When you have expectations, it, the fun goes out the window. There's no fun anymore because now I have a job to do. I had so many expectations of my son. Again, here in the neighborhood in high school, he was a player. He went to college. He wound up being Rudy. He was a practice player. Because yep. he didn't have the, the, he had all the talent in the world. I even told the coach, listen, coach, I'm sorry. I'll give you $100 cash if you can motivate this child. Well, Thank God. He got an education, and I think sometimes sports gets, or, or let's say education, gets muddled in the sports field. Uh, uh, my family were pro-education. Well, but, but Chico, this is, this is the lesson that so many sports parents forget about, and thank, thank you for your call. You know, and that is that education is the key in life, uh, and it's, it's sort of become a cliche, but it, it's not – you know, so few of our athletes, our youngsters, I don't care how great they are in high school or travel or club team, so few are ever going to get paid a dime to play pro sports, and most pro uh, careers are, are very, very uh, transitory, very short. It's the education that's going to propel them to success in other parts uh, of their existence. And I, I wish more parents understood that and didn't just pay lip service to us because it's critically important. Let, let's, go to, um, let's go to Dave in the Bronx. Dave, good morning. You're on the fan. How you doing, Rick? Well, great topic. I taught, uh, I would coach bowling, uh, PSAL, and that, if you ever think of a future topic, that's a sport that's dying in some of the metropolitan areas. You have very few bowling alleys. Uh, kids don't, do they, they do uh, Wii bowling on the computer, and they're not bowling. That's what I did as a kid. Spend weekends doing that, you know, at the bowling alley. Dave, One day Yankees setting. I tell you, the, bowling is. Uh, I'm up against a break, but I will. I hear you loud and clear. And and, and Dave, I I know that bowling is going through some difficult times. And thanks for for the reminder. That, you know, bowling is popular still, particularly in the Midwest, uh, especially in high school, even in upstate New York, other places. Still a popular sport. Doesn't get the kind of publicity that it used to, uh, but. You know, again, as Dave mentioned, a lot has to do with the impact of video games. Kids can bowl online now, and they seem to find that just as satisfying as going down and competing uh, in person, uh, live in person against other competitors. But point is that, again, going back to my topic this morning about parental expectations, it is a question of how does fun come into all this? Once you put expectations on your youngster, then all of a sudden, fun sort of gets squeezed off to the side, and that is a major concern. Let me take a timeout. I'll come back with more thoughts. Stay with me. And welcome back to the Sports Edge. And friends, don't forget, you can listen to WFAN anytime, anywhere. You just download the Radio.com app and favorite us today. And if you have a smart, smart speaker, just play WFAN. Okay, we're talking here about parental expectations on kids, and, you know, it is a complicated 
situation. As one of the callers mentioned a few minutes ago, you know, back in the day when parents did not go out to watch kids play in the playground or sandlots, you know, the kids just go out and had fun. And I do fear that there's a, there's a real sort of a negative equation here. If once you have parents putting expectations on their kids, uh, all of a sudden it, it, the fun gets squeezed out, unfortunately. And, you know, that's, that's problematic as well. Let's continue with our calls. Let's go over to Lindbrook. Louie, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, Rick, how are you? Congratulations on YouTube. Yeah, thank uh, you, Louie. This is going to be fun. I just, uh, I think what I wanted to, my point, what I wanted to bring up is that uh, most of the expectations uh, happen, and what happens is it's, it's usually not that good for the kids, is that they come into a season out of condition. Today, they're behind the computers, they're doing all kinds of stuff, and then they expect coaches, college coaches or high school coaches to get the kids in condition. Already they're behind the eight ball now and uh, it, it's just not good. Kids need to get themselves in condition and be in condition through, throughout the whole year. Get away from the computer. Go do have yourself a workout. Go on your bicycle once in a while or even run. Do some running. But kids don't do that anymore. Well, they're, they're too involved. They're too involved with, with that computer and that's posing a big problem Louis, for there's, there's, no, I, there's no question at all about that uh and and, and thank you uh you know for the thoughts you know the fact is kids today because of the ultra sense of competition yeah you have to stay in shape all year i mean there's just uh certainly at the professional level all pro athletes stay in shape all year round they have to to stay sharp certainly in college the same thing so if you have any aspirations to ever play in college or in high school you got to stay in shape you want to play computer games that's fine but for most athletes who, you know, the computer stuff, the video stuff, that's just like, like, a, that's a, like a distraction. They, they don't, it doesn't help them in terms of their overall physical conditioning. Let's go quickly to another, Lou, this one on Astoria. Hey, Lou, you're on the fan. Hey, Coach, how you doing? Good. Let me tell you, a long time ago, I had a bad experience in, in Elm Jack. It's got a league over there. I had my son who was in Little League, okay? So, yeah. I mean, this coach had a, had a two, two kids, not one, but two kids. He, one played shortstop, the other would pitch. Every game was just like that. They rotate. So I told the guy, I said, listen, uh, my son, uh, you know, they, I, I don't know if you understand, but they, they have like a lineup is, is, is consists of 10 batters, okay? Yeah. And my son was batting 10th, okay? And I, listen, I pay a lot of money trying to teach this kid how to get good. He was, I mean, he, I know he was getting good, but the opportunity was not there. So I told the coach, listen, not only, not only does he get two at-bats every game, but you, you have him take a pitch and two pitches sometimes. How is he going to learn? But in the meantime, you took sons, I'm batting third and second. If every team makes the playoffs, it's not about winning, I told him, when it comes to, to little leagues. It's, it's about teaching, okay? Yes. So, uh, coach, I, I tell you what I did. I talked to the coach. He didn't listen. I went inside. I talked to the directors or whatever, okay, because some of these coaches, they tell you something is completely different. So I went, I said, they didn't listen to me. So I went behind the box stop. And, and when my son was hitting, guess what I told my son to do? I have no idea. Hit. Swing. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, you know what, that coach? That, that, that could create a commotion. And, that, you know, I, two, uh, two more games after that, I was out of there. I took my kids out, out of the league. So some of these coaches, they really, really go to you and they tell you, oh, I saw the parents. Uh, I mean, I know that you, you don't have a problem having a father that has a son in the team. But you got to well, be fair, especially in leadership. Lou, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, and I, yes, uh, there's no question. Thanks for the call. 
you know, it's incumbent upon any coach at the youth level. You got to do things on a fair basis. Particularly, you have to be sensitive if you have your own kids on the team. You got to be super fair to the other kids who are playing on the team. And as Lou just mentioned, you know, he was like, I don't understand. The kids, uh, the, the father, or the coach of the team, he's got his two kids batting high in the order. His kid is batting 10th. You, you got to play this fairly right down the middle. And that's a topic that, you know, we'll come back to down the line about, you know, what about daddy ball? And what about you, you should need to know if you're coaching your own kids at the youth level and the obligations you have to the other kids and parents on that team. That's another issue, again, down the road. But for right now, when it comes to parental expectations, moms and dads, be careful, and coaches, be careful what you say. Those words have tremendous impact uh, across the line. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of The Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Antonio Grillo. Please stick around for J.J. with the morning line. He's up next. I'll see you next Sunday right here on The Sports Edge. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.